It's often a bit mystifying how brands magically go viral overnight. Sometimes they make it big, and other times they crash and burn. Is the road to brand fame and a bump to the bottom line worth the risk? I'm Alexis. And I'm Melissa. And we're just a little obsessed with these marketing moments. So join us as we break down the craziest brand stunts, from how the idea sparked to how the heck they pulled it off. Or didn't, and of course, will it stick? Hi, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> What's shaking today? Nothing. Do I look smart with these glasses you gave me? Yeah, you stole them, and I don't even have any cute ones. You gave me ugly ones. <laughs> My kids are like, Mom, you're so weird. Don't wear those. But I hate to admit it, because they actually help. <laughs> <laughs> you're old. Glasses old. do help at our age. I know. It was kind of a crazy week this week. I'm kind of drained, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Probably one of the more emotional weeks. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't get easier. No. Owning businesses. treatment. Yeah. No. Just not, I, 10 out of 10, not necessarily recommending owning a business. No. <laughs> I, uh, and my dad's here right now, and he's like, I told you not to do it. I told you it was a stupid idea. But it is awesome most of the time. It's just like, occasionally we get thrown back in our place. Like, we get comfortable and it's like, it feels easy and it's fun and it's like gliding. And then it's like, the universe is like, hold up. We got to remind you that it's fucking hard to run your own business. And not everything's sunshine and roses. No. <laughs> I hope today's episode is sunshine and roses. I need some right Actually, now. Actually, it is because I'm super excited about this episode because it is super close to my heart. And not only did I love this woman, but she was a symbol for many young girls who may have been children, but wanted to craft their perfect adult fantasy life. Ooh, I'm still trying to craft my perfect adult fantasy life. Me too. <laughs> oh my God. Sometimes when I'm really stressed, I lay down and I listen to music and yeah, I do. I just like dream. I try to make my dreams, like <laughs> try to like make it happen the way I want. And then I wake up the next day and I'm like, shit, that was not what I wanted to dream. It's still <laughs> chaos. Yeah. So... In this episode, I'm not really talking about one specific stunt. Rather, it's much more about how one company created a pop culture icon that had such an impact on history and generated so much positive and negative buzz or controversy that we just had to dive into it. Ooh, I'm excited. Okay, do you know who I'm talking about? Um, no, I actually don't. I mean, adult fantasy life? Uh, Could be a lot. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe? I don't know. It doesn't really like the girls... The, like, picture of little girls, like, dreaming. No, that doesn't work no. for me. So, no, I don't know. Barbie. Oh, for sure. Okay, so I had no clue just what an incredible company Mattel was. What I mean, Barbie's been on an incredible journey. I, I didn't really ever know about, like, the early days of Barbie. So I'm excited to tell you. Okay, good. Let's go. All right. So not only was I obsessed with this because I had, like, 300 Barbies, but... <laughs> I just have to confess, I had the house, the car, the RV, and the ski chalet. Oh, my God. Did you have the ski chalet? You know what? I am going to admit, like, I only had a couple Barbies. My sister was way more into Barbie. I never had, we never had the house. The neighbors had the house. So we would always go to the neighbors and play in their basement with, like, the Barbie dream mansion or whatever that pink thing was. But, like, I wasn't ever super into Barbie, but it's fun now because I have two girls, of course, and, like, 
they're so into Barbie. Oh, I love it. And I'm so sad because I have boys and I don't have Barbies. And I've asked my kids if I can buy them a Barbie and they're like, you're so weird. No, we're not having a Barbie. That's a girl toy. So, um, but I had this ski chalet and my dad, anytime we went skiing to Big Bear, I would bring it and he'd bring snow in the bathtub and I'd set it all up and I'd like make my brother oh, be a snowboarder. Fun. So fun. That's yeah. Super fun. So I would just play for hours. You name it. I would just like craft all these wild adventures and have a blast. And the funny thing is, so Barbie, I always named her, and she was Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. I always named, like, my dolls not what they were supposed to be named. No. And then also, like, when I pretended in life, like, when I was a teenager, you know, when you, like, made up fake names, I was always Kelly. <laughs> like, to go out with your friends and yeah. be like, oh, I'm Let's cool. go meet boys. My name's Kelly, not Alexis. <laughs> but I lived in the Barbie mansion, and Ken would always drive up in the Barbie Corvette and pick me up to take me on a trip to the ice cream cafe or a beach shop, and we'd, like, have so much fun. I don't know what we'd talk about. I can't even remember <laughs> what I'd be pretending. And then he'd drop me off. I'd come home, change outfits, like, ten times. Like you do now. Yeah. Like, I feel like you cannot wear the same outfit for the whole day. It's so annoying. <laughs> I know. I like a morning outfit, an afternoon outfit. And then, you know, it'd start all over the next day. And the funny part is, I don't really, actually, I do remember getting married, like, playing that Barbie got married, but never having kids. So maybe I should and have followed have, that. And then you have, like, 14 kids now. <laughs> I know. I should have, you know, just remembered my Barbie days and had no kids and had fun. And then my brother would always beg me to play, but, you know, of course, he was a boy. So he never wanted to play, like, my version of Barbie, like, pick me up and take me on a date. He would want to blow shit up and, like, jump off the mansion from a Par- like parachuting off the mansion and oh and he was never Ken he could never be Ken but he was GI Joe so GI Joe would parachute off and I would tell him okay now pick me up take me on a date and he's like fine and I was so annoyed but now like when I was writing this I'm like why didn't I think that was cool like a hot army guy parachuting off my roof <laughs> picking me up in a Corvette oh whisking me away. Dream life, for Dream sure. Life. Five-year-old Alexis, hello. <laughs> okay, let's get talking about Barbie. Cool. So there was a time in history, well, not that far back in history, the year was 1956 to be exact, that Barbie didn't even exist. Oh, which, really? I don't know why I thought she was like, came way, about in like the 20s or 30s. I know, I thought she was way older. So it wasn't until Ruth Handler, mother of Barbara Handler and wife of Elliot Handler, decided that paper dolls just weren't cutting it for her little Barbara. So back in you know the 50s, they had a lot of babies, paper dolls, but they didn't have any dolls that were like symbols of adults, like yeah. adult women. And her mom... Ruth just kept thinking, like, God, how sad. You know, here's my son. He's playing, pretending he's an astronaut, a firefighter, and, like, can craft this fantasy life of what he's going to become. And my daughter, she's stuck in this, like, you know, world of just playing being a caregiver or a mother. So she was kind of annoyed. She was, like, in a a box. Yeah. And Ruth, actually, her husband, Elliot, was the co-founder of Mattel. So she kind of, like, dabbled in the business a little bit. She wasn't super involved, but she'd show up every once in a while and try to make decisions. So they actually decided to go on a trip to Europe and actually visit Germany. And they were walking the streets, and right there in the window was this awesome, like, woman doll who was a, like, comic strip villain. And she was, like, sexy and, like, just 
looked cool and like fierce. But like was like a doll that like life like not, was it like life size or like <laughs> no. Well, I'll get to that. <laughs> okay. Um, it wasn't life size. It was just like a Barbie. So okay. What I didn't mention is Ruth, like, on the plane, and, you know, she kept telling her husband, like, we have to create this, like, adult doll. And Elliot was like, no, we're not doing that. Like, you know, women, girls love being, pretending they're moms. So he just... Which, of course, I'm sorry, but come on, guys. We don't all want to be moms. No, we want... (laughs) And, like, even if you're a mom, like, you want to dream about being an astronaut or, you know, having some badass career. So she kind of left it there, and then once they saw the doll in the window... Her daughter was like, Mom, I have to have this. And so Ruth was so excited. Like, this just proves my point. And so she bought three dolls. And, you know, Ruth kept telling her husband, like, there's a huge gap in this marketplace. Like, there should be adult dolls in the U.S. It's weird when you say adult dolls and I'm picturing, like, not what probably what you're thinking. But you just mean, like, dolls that are not baby dolls. Like, they're, like, teens or, like, they have, they look like adult real features. adult features. Yeah, not totally. babies. Okay. So the German doll was named... Build Lily. Okay. And she was this racy doll. And actually in Germany, when I say life-size, they did have life-size blow-up dolls of... Wait, like... Like like burp. sex blow-up dolls. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it. Yeah. And they sold this... I thought this was super weird. So they sold not the blow-up dolls, but the, like the actual dolls in tobacco shops. Like why would men or, like, anyone buy a doll. But maybe, a- like, in the 50s, that was, like, where they would get their porn mags and stuff. Like, so where else? they'd buy a little doll? Creepy. I don't want to know about that. <laughs> yeah. So Lily was a working girl who knew what she wanted, and she was not above using men to get it. So her character was actually a gold-digging sex symbol who was often portrayed in scanty clothing Ooh. and gave snappy, seductive comebacks to men. <laughs> Which I loved that. I was like, oh, yeah. Way to, way to own your own power, girl. So when Lily came back to the United States and Miss Ruth wanted to recreate her, it was like, what? You want to create this, like, sex symbol? And yeah. we're Mattel. Like, what? And it was the 50s. Yeah. So, but Ruth, I love her. She was super determined. She got back home and she ignored her husband and walked right into Mattel and sat next to Jack Ryan, the head engineer, and said, all right, here's Lily. We're going to recreate this chick, and we're going to make her badass. So her husband wasn't fully on board, but she found someone else in the company that was like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like, her husband didn't even know. She just showed up (laughs) and, like, sat next to Jack, the engineer, and was like, dude, we're doing this, which, you know, she told him, we're doing it. Yeah. You know? And so when she told these men to create a child's doll, but with boobs, they like <laughs> almost died. I'm sure they were like, what? What? And because Lily was like really sexy. She had big boobs, like tiny waist, you know, kind of like obviously how Barbie is today. Mm-hmm. And no one believed Ruth that it was a good idea. They were like, it's never going to sell. It's going to be like crazy. No one's going to want it. So guess what happened? Ruth was like, trust me. Yeah. We're going to do this. So they built Barbie, and Barbie was actually named after their daughter, Barbara. Oh, that's cute. I like yeah. that. So I think it's super cute. The doll first made its debut at the American International Toy Fair in New York on March 9th, 1959. And so this date is also used as Barbie's birthday, which I was super depressed, by the way, that it just passed. You just missed it. We could have done something so cool at the well, office. next year. Next year. For sure. You know, we get a cake for Mardi Gras or whatever. 
we're getting a cake for Barbie's oh, birthday. For like Fat Tuesday, yeah. we do the king's cake. Yeah, totally. So Elliot, of course, realized his wife was brilliant. Duh, Elliot. Elliot, listen to your wife. And Mattel acquired the rights to the built Lily doll in 1964, and production of Lily was stopped. So that's interesting to me because you said they launched Barbie in 59, but they didn't like acquire the rights to that doll till 64. So I wonder if there was like battling. So there was a little bit of controversy because, you know, Barbie, I mean, she wasn't the exact replica. She yeah. wasn't the exact name. So I don't know what the co- the copyright thing was yeah. there with toys, but they did have a lawsuit because they said it looked like her mm-hmm. and like the boobs and, yeah. you know, the whole yeah. jam. So in 1964, again, production was stopped and Barbie was like, the world's second adult doll. And she wore a black and white zebra-striped swimsuit. She didn't even have clothes at the time. Mm-hmm. And a top-knot ponytail. And then you could purchase her blonde or brunette at the time. Okay. And she was marketed as a teenage fashion model. Hmm. And she, guess how much it cost to buy um, the first Barbie? Probably like a couple bucks, I would think. I don't know. Yeah, the $3. Oh, yeah. You know what's interesting, though? I was just at Target to buy a gift for one of my kids' birthday, like a friend's birthday. And there are some Barbies that price points are still like in the $5 like range, but they don't come with anything. And of course, my kids never want the $5 Barbies. They want the $19.99 Barbies. <laughs> but it's oh. cool that they kept some of the price points like for just maybe like basic pared down versions kind of low. You yeah, know? that's... Well, I was just shocked, $3, because I feel like I don't, every time I go to buy a gift, it's like way crazy. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, is so when Mattel, you know, this engineer helped create her, but they hired Charlotte Johnson, who was a fashion designer, to just start designing clothes for Barbie. That is so cool. So they hired a real fashion designer to design a doll's clothing. Yeah. It wasn't just like some employee. It was like they hired a fashion designer. They wanted Barbie to be a fashion icon. So Barbie took the world by storm. From that moment on, girls could imagine their futures like never before. So the crazy thing about Barbie and the reason I was actually inspired to dig into her in the first place was that this was one of the first toys to have a marketing strategy based only on TV advertising. Oh, cool. So what did they do before that in the 50s? Like Maybe just newspaper? Yeah. Interesting. Flyers, or you just went to the toy shop? Yeah. I have no idea. And the commercial is so hilarious. We'll link it here, but it's black and white, and it's like Barbie, and it's so funny to watch. You know, there's no animation. There's no computer electronics. So someone's literally just, like, twisting her. (laughs) (laughs) It's super awkward. My Barbie doll is really And what they did is they're, again, brilliant, and they sponsored the Mickey Mouse Club in 1955. Oh, my God. So, so smart. Yeah. So it was the first company to broadcast commercials to kids. So smart. So before that, they were just they were targeting parents who they would hope would buy the toys for their kids. But how fucking smart to target the kids who annoy the hell out of the parents to buy them the damn toy. Well, you know what's crazy is, you know, I don't have cable. So we were at my mom's house the other day, and the kids were watching TV, like, like with commercials. TV. Yeah. And they were watching Disney Channel, and every commercial is a toy commercial. So they were, like, making lists. They're like, I never knew about that toy. And I realized they don't Well, have my kids watch YouTube, which is, I think, worse than traditional TV for advertising because all of these, like, families who have created YouTube channels have their own toys they're marketing. I mean, they're so super smart, but— 
that's how I think people are selling toys these days through like YouTube videos. Yeah, it's so it's interesting. Crazy. So guess what? In the first year sold, how many do you think they sold? First year one, maybe like a hundred thousand. 300,000. Oh my God. And it's since then, there has been 1.9 billion Barbies sold. It is said that every second, there are three Barbies sold. Every second. Oh my God. How is that possible? So by 1957, its toy production profited $9 million. Oh my gosh. And, you know, Barbie wasn't just sold in the US, you know, they went global like right away. Can you believe that market share? I love it. That And they had, the only competitor I can think of is that weird Bratz doll. Like, did, was there any other competitors early in the game for them? Because Bratz didn't come out until I feel like, I mean, I was not a kid anymore. And that was maybe the 90s? Yeah. I mean, I don't think Barbie didn't would have ever other- say I have a competitor. Yeah. I feel like She's Barbie's just, just been, I mean, iconic. with Barbie and Bridget and all of her friends and everything, I mean, she's yeah. just like... I don't, maybe brats, you'd want a brat, but you always want a Barbie. Yeah, so Barbie's the OG. She is the OG. So now that Barbie's born, let's talk about her incredible journey and how Mattel's brilliant marketing team capitalized on this independent woman to become a pop culture fashion icon and challenge the traditional gender roles for women. Ooh, I like this. So I already told you that they hired a fashion designer, but did you know they also hired professional stylists to do her hair, professional accessory and jewelry designers to design all of like her accessories and her earrings. And, you know, they wanted Barbie just to be this perfect woman and be able to project, you know, the dream of the future for these young girls. And in order to accomplish Barbie's identity as the next top models, her clothes were based on actual couture from the fashion world. Oh, cool. The staff, so Charlotte Johnson traveled seasonally to Europe to watch Paris collections and designed the first 21 ensembles that were inspired by Dior. And like all these. Balenciaga, like every freaking major designer. She was like at, in the Paris, like fashion week. To dress a Barbie. Yeah. That is the coolest thing. St. Laurent, everyone is crazy. So like everything good in this world, there has to be some sort of controversy that comes along with it. And believe me, Barbie had her fair share of controversy. I mean, already with you saying a couple of things you said about like challenging gender roles, and then we're talking about like just being this like perfect woman. It's I'm kind of feeling where you're going here. Yep. So in 1963, feminists were protesting that the curvy doll's body and sexualized origins were just like not okay for kids. Well, it's interesting because I read something a long time ago about if Barbie's figure, like her actual dimensions were a real person's dimensions, that person could not stand up. <laughs> She'd topple over because her boobs are too big. Yeah, her oh waist is too little, her boobs She's are too big. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> like the baby got back song. Oh, God. <laughs> what if that came out now? Oh, God. Ugh. So I don't know what fashion designer did this, but this is also what sparked the protest. Barbie was came out, a version of Barbie came out with a tiny doll-sized diet book that was titled Don't Eat. What? <laughs> like, no. How did that get past Mattel? I'm so Was busy. this still the, this, was this the 60s or 70s? It's 63. Oh, so crazy. That's so bad. Yeah. And so, you know, it must have slipped through the cracks, but, you know, Mattel insisted that Barbie had no impact on girls' beliefs about their bodies. Oh, uh, I call bullshit on that. 
Well, some research suggests otherwise, which is crazy. Because as a young child, I, I mean, looking back, I would have never thought that. And I don't think... Well, as that, a kid, you don't connect those dots, no. right? I was just obsessed with her fashion and the fantasy of like playing and going on dates and whatever else we did. But now with social media and all the pressure, I can totally see it. Yeah. Like I feel like if you're playing with Barbies and then you're pressured to see like every filter and everything like that. So I think now more so, but back then, I guess I didn't really realize it. I don't think a lot of people connected the dots back then. I mean, it's easy for us to look back now and be like, what the hell were they thinking? But the world was so different then. And so we can't, it's it's not really fair to judge the place the world was then in comparison to now. Agreed. So, but if you know the true definition of an icon as a person, it's a symbolic or noted figure. So when Ruth was creating Barbie, her intentions were to inspire young women to play and to imagine themselves as independent women who could have careers, who could be an astronaut, a doctor, or sophisticated fashion icon like Jackie Kennedy. So remember in the 1950s, everything was about men being the head of the household, the sole provider, and women were expected to just be like the homemaker for the children. Like all the ads in the 50s were crazy. It was like like that woman vacuuming vacuuming and cooking and all that stuff. So I think that, you know, on the positive side, that many females saw Barbie as providing an alternative to the old gender roles, like, and help them break the barriers. I mean, she's hot, but of course... What were they going to create? Yeah, they're like not going to make a doll. Like, yeah. I mean, who's going to buy an, I mean, I hate to say it, but like a not a cute doll, right? Like with ratty hair and like yeah. ugly clothes that yeah. looked like she came out of the dumpster? Yeah. I mean, they no. were the, that wouldn't have worked. So yeah. I, I get what they were doing. I mean, how did they shift from this like, you know, pretty thin boob doll to like this doll that had all the careers? Like when did that happen? Because I don't remember the early doll. Did she have careers right away? Right away. Well, oh, okay. so she was... First, you know, in the the bathing suit. Mm-hmm. And what also was interesting, I mean, there's so many details I had to pick and choose what I talked about, but her eyes were glancing like slowly to the like to the left. And like she wasn't looking you like in the eye. Like she wasn't looking you in the eye. And some said they did that so she wasn't like this bold woman. And they actually later on in late in the sixties they made, when this feminist movement came out, they're like, Barbie should be looking you straight in the eye. Like, if she's going to be a strong woman, she needs, like, to look you in the eye, which was super weird. Like, why would they shift her eyes? Yeah, interesting. Uh, So, yeah, and then her first career was actually an astronaut, um, which I thought was awesome. And, you know, when Mattel first launched Barbie, little girls and moms were ecstatic. Like, girls could play and feel confident, imagine themselves having careers. You know, she really did inspire young women. Of course, they're the feminists that are going to be pissed about the body. But, you know, she inspired girls. Like, they could dream of who they wanted to be. Yeah, I love it. So let's talk more about some of the crazy marketing stunts they did. So in 1962, Mattel launched Barbie's first dream house. And why was this a big marketing stunt? Because at this time, women weren't even allowed to open their own bank account. What? Yeah. Wait, that is true? True. So let alone, they couldn't buy a house. So it was super controversial that Barbie bought her first dream house and she bought it with babysitting money. (laughs) That was the story, which was so crazy. And the best part is like when they marketed that Barbie bought her dream house, it wasn't that Barbie and boyfriend Ken or husband Ken bought the house. It was Barbie. Barbie. 
I love it. That And that was a big thing. So it was like focusing on like representing women in new ways, becoming a symbol of independence and empowerment. I love that. I love it. I never would have connected those dots either. Like that's so cool. And so like obviously controversy surrounded it, but many women were so proud and said, Barbie supports herself as a happily unmarried, confident woman. From babysitting money. Rock on, Barbie. And the crazy thing, too, is the first dream house was actually made of cardboard, and Barbie couldn't even fit in it, which was weird. Do you think, this is so random, do you think today's Barbie would sell feet pics (laughs) on OnlyFans? (laughs) I bet she does. I mean, if she's progressive. I mean, Barbie's feet are also perfect. They're amazing. And I have really ugly feet, so I also was really jealous of Barbie's feet. Okay, we'll, we'll stop with the feet pics now. It's This is the second episode it's made it into. Oh, my gosh. So Mattel is, again, brilliant. So they, lean, they leaned into society all the time. So in 1974, they actually, like, claimed a whole area of Times Square, and it was renamed to be Barbie Boulevard. Oh, that's so cool. It was only for a week, but I but thought it was still, really cool. Yeah, that's yeah. so she iconic. had her own boulevard. So, and then the world was stunned because, do you remember Warhol? Oh, yeah. Do you know Warhol? Of course I do. I know that guy. I feel like I had to write a paper on why I thought he was an icon one time. For For sure, for an advertising class or something. I love him. He's awesome. So he actually painted her in 1985. And it was a big controversy because they're like, why did he paint Barbie? Like, this is so odd. But it was a crazy story because his boyfriend, Billy Boy. Wait, was that his name? Billy Boy. (laughs) I like that. Billy Boy. That's like an Instagram handle now, but that was like his legit name. That was his legit name. Because he was a super high-end fashion designer and commentator. And the only reason he painted Barbie was because Billy Boy, his boyfriend, was enamored by her. And this is creepy. Billy Boy had 11,000 Barbie dolls. And only 3,000 Kendalls. <laughs> That's a lot oh, of dolls. That's like, like, where do you put those? Also, if I was dating someone and I walked into their house and they had like, I don't know, 15,000 dolls in their house, eh, creepy. Turn around, run the other way. But apparently Warhol thought it was hot. He was that into was his it. boyfriend. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, the two would be like gallivanting around and, you know, Warhol's like, dude, I want to paint you. I love you. Billy was like, no, don't paint me. But if you want to paint me, paint me as Barbie. Oh, my like, god! I think Billy Boy wanted to be Barbie. Secretly, he wrote this really awesome book, Her Life and Times, in the, I think it was like 1980s. And then he, what's so cool is he must have reached out, or I don't know how he got the job, but in 1984 through 1990, he designed two Barbie dolls for Mattel, and he actually was hired as a designer and a consultant, and he would, like, cultivate these amazing fashion designer tours that, like, Mattel would go and, like, pick Barbie's clothes. Oh, my gosh. I love it. No, That's Barbie cool. is so cool. Yeah. So the painting was painted and, you know, made a big splash Guess how much it was sold for in 2014? I, I can't even fathom. Over a million dollars. Wow, that's yeah. cool. I wonder who owns it today. I want to Google yeah, it. Yeah, we can Google it. Yeah. I didn't put that in here. So not so surprising, but most of these controversies came because Mattel constantly leaned into society. So she, they wanted to make improvements to Barbie. They'd launch new friends for Barbie. They'd launch like new outfits. They were a real interpretation of different social understandings. And really what it meant to be a woman in American society. Mm -hmm. 
So now there are crazy things that Mattel is doing to adapt and stay with current trends. Like in 2014, she created her own Instagram account. Way to get with the times, Barb. Yes. And Barbie, this global icon, she wanted to get in the digital age and she wanted a real life narrative. And so if you look at Instagram, like she posts like these playful pics, like from her point of view, it's so cute. But of course, she's always in timeless fashion, always traveling around, and she loves posting entertaining stories about her adventures. So like the content they're creating for Barbie is incredible. That's so cool. So once she started her Instagram, brands were like, Barbie has an Instagram. We got to get this original influencer to like be a part of our campaign. Oh, I didn't think about that. She is the OG influencer. Original influencer. So of course, Barbie jumped right on these marketing bandwagons. And in 2016, Muse Paris at the Louvre. The Louvre. The Louvre. Sorry. It's okay. Um, you didn't take French. I did. It's the Musée. Oh, the Musée. At the Louvre. At the Louvre. I took Spanish. <laughs> so what so, about the Louvre? So they held an entire exhibition in 2016, and it featured 700 Barbie dolls over two floors and works of modern artists. And these documents were newspapers, photos, and videos that all like glorified Barbie. And so this was a whole exhibit. That's so cool. At the Louvre, like to have an exhibit at the Louvre, like that is insane. How cool is that? I mean, Barbie is the icon. Barbie, damn, Gina. So for her 60th birthday, Barbie partnered with Visit Arizona. Ah, like right here. Right here in AZ. So Barbie's first stop in Arizona was the Phoenix right here, where she lounged at the pool at Mountain Shadows. The pictures are so cool. She's like super sophisticated in this hot bean suit. And she's sitting there with a friend. And the backdrop is, you know, Mountain Shadows and Camelback Mountain. Yeah. Gorgeous. And then she visited like some really cool, like, outdoorsy places in Arizona, like Antelope Canyon, oh. Sedona, and some other Arizona hotspots. But not only do I think this is like incredible, like they, this campaign was in, amazing, but did you know that our very own Amy LaSala was the co-brainchild of this campaign? Oh my gosh. So our marketing director here at Serendip, but that's crazy. Yeah. That's so cool. And I think what I thought was so cool about the campaign is, you know, Barbie's not just an icon for kids. She's still like an icon and a childhood memory for many adults. Yeah. So that campaign was, It probably wasn't targeting kids. It wasn't targeting yeah. kids. It was really targeting adults so they could lean in and be the like, nostalgia. Barbie. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just brilliant. The nostalgia like captured so many different generations. The amount of traction Visit Arizona got was perfect. You know, I don't think Barbie, it really catapulted Barbie that much, but it was just showing that she was, you know, becoming a modern day influencer. And at this point, does Barbie need more catapulting? I mean, like you said, she doesn't have any crazy competition. Now there's a billion toys, but people always want a Barbie. No, but you bet Arizona Office of Tourism wanted to be in front of those 2 million followers. For sure. Yeah. So that just allowed her to catapult her digital presence into next Airbnb. Oh. So I don't oh, I remember, remember this. Remember this. <gasps> I remember this one. So cool. So Airbnb actually decided for Barbie's 60th anniversary that Barbie was going to add a new career title to her like repertoire of careers. And she was going to be a host. An Airbnb host. Airbnb host. So breaking news hit that Barbie would be handing over the keys to her Malibu dream house for the ultimate fan stay. 
located in the heart of Malibu, overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And the fabulous life-size Barbie Malibu dream house was going to be available to book on October 23rd at 11 a.m. by one guest and three friends for a two-night stay. How did we not get this? I think we tried. I think we tried. But imagine how many people were flooding this. Because if you see the house, it is insane. Is it still the same or did they like temporarily transform it? They just it? Tra- temporarily transformed Wait, how much it. did that cost? I have Shit. no idea. But everything's pink. Like it looked exactly like the dream house. It was so cool. But the best part about this was that not only did they say like, you know, Barbie, w- when you booked it, you could stay with three friends, that they listed that like all these big name entrepreneurs and celebrities would be welcoming fans. and it, Like they would be at the house? Like at the house. And it was like the first really cool entrepreneur or celebrity was Abitaj Muhammad, the world-class fencing champion and inspirational role model. Uh, and they did that because she, Barbie actually has like a fencing outfit. Uh, so they wanted, the pictures are so cool with her just sitting there like ready to greet you and like teach you fencing. So was she teaching fencing? Yeah, that oh was gosh. her. She was going to teach one-on-one fencing lessons to whoever stayed there. And then pilot and aerospace engineer Jill Myers will take them on a behind-the-scenes tour of the Columbia Memorial Space Center to encourage them to aim for the stars. And celebrity hairstyles and girl boss Jen Atkin will stop over for hair makeovers. Bottom line, like, this was, like, the dream stay. I don't know why. This was meant for you and I. Like, we should have been know. there. I know. And but I don't I also, know which three friends we would have chosen. I would have wanted to bring my girls because how cool for them to, like, see these iconic women. I know they wouldn't appreciate it, like, in the moment because they're eight and five. But, like, that is so cool. Oh, my gosh. This And the stunt had everyone buzzing. I couldn't find the exact media value that Airbnb garnered, but it was everywhere. It was Fast Company, CNN, Forbes, Refinery, Times, Oprah. I mean, literally, if you Google this, it's everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. So I wish Airbnb would have, like, released some of their numbers because I, I could just imagine. I bet the site broke. I mean, I remember getting targeted on Instagram with this, like, really cool drone video of the house. It was awesome. Like, yeah, I remember it. I was like so into it. It was awesome. So we'll also link that picture and those videos yeah. of the Barbie dream house because if you haven't seen it, it's so cool. So there's so many more marketing partnerships and stunts that Barbie has taken part in and I could go on and on. But I just, you know, wanted to talk about those few ones. And I just think the crazy thing is, is how adaptable Barbie and Mattel have been over the years. Like, if you think about it, like, in the pandemic, they capitalized on how parents and kids' obsession, like, are obsessed with DIY home makeovers, and they created a video showcasing how kids could make crafts, like DIY crafts, to spruce up their dream house. Oh, I love that. So, like, they don't have to go to the store and buy accessories. They can make their own accessories. No, because, like, you couldn't go to the store. Yeah. You know, or you weren't supposed supposed to. to. And the video had over a million views in a day, and helped Barbie's team realize that now they need to capitalize on like this digital presence. Mm-hmm. So during the pandemic, they launched a new division dedicated to the content marketing and app dev of Barbie. Oh. Genius. So Barbie is virtual now. I love it. It's interesting that it took them the pandemic to really get there, but I think I'm they glad. had like, you know, obviously they have YouTube videos yeah. and and I feel like there's a Netflix show there and all is, this video yeah. movies, but they were like, we need to make this a content marketing engine. So they they have a game, they have an app, and they're focused on producing like videos and blogs and DIY like, things. I love the DIY. That's, so cool. That was really smart. So many analysts have attributed Barbie's long-term success to her 
responsiveness to the ever-changing styles and adaptability and changing trends in American society. I mean, in my opinion, brands and marketing agencies should lean into Barbie's progressive innovation and ever-changing strategies on, like, yeah. the product on the digital front. Yeah, you know? totally. I mean, that's it's genius. These sure. people are brilliant. So... Barbie products don't only include like the range of dolls and the clothes and accessories, but Barbie also has books. Do you know? Yeah, oh, really? So I guess, I, I guess I've seen books, yeah. Books, video games. <laughs> she is an actress. If you know, she <laughs> a- appeared in Toy Story. <gasps> she did. I totally forgot. <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy because she has become a cultural icon around the world. Yeah. And I think... The thing I learned from this that I had no idea was that, like, she really launched advertising to kids for toys. Like, that is so interesting. Yeah. The first company to market commercials to kids. Yeah. I love it. Incredible. So, I mean, this was so fun for me. So, before I wrap up, I want to point out some of my sources and thank them. History.com's Barbies Through the Ages was an incredible article. Brandy UVA, Barbie Marketing Strategies. And of course, BarbieMedia.com had a ton of awesome info. Yeah, and we'll link out to the other stuff for sure. All right. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to pretty please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you love what you heard. Tell your friends to follow us on Instagram at WillItStickPodcast and visit us online at WillItStickPodcast.com. And I will put... The videos, all, all the of Barbie these, things. All the Barbie things. I'm so excited. This was awesome. Good job, Lex. Bye. Peace.